Curve Podcast. I am your twitchy host, Hunter, and we have a very special episode for you today. On the previous episode, I shared my story, my loss, and my descent into panic and depression. However, I didn't delve too deep into my symptoms and the physical and mental toll it took on my body. Today, we're going to discuss these symptoms why they manifest, and how to treat them as best we can. Now, I remember my first panic attack, and I believe I did share this story, possibly. Um, I had just returned back to my job um, just after my mother had passed, maybe about three or four days. Um, And I was driving for Amazon, and I decided to go back to work and try to get my mind off things, you know, try to try to distract myself. Um, and after my route, after I had finished my route, I was driving back home and all of a sudden this surge of, of doom and, and, uh, just darkness, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it, um, just hit me real hard and um, it was almost overwhelming to the point where I thought I was going to pass out and I didn't understand what was going on with my body I, I had no idea I had never felt this way before you know it was terrifying and of course the, the best that I the first thing that I, I thought of was uh, you know, I need to call somebody I need to call my cousin because I was staying with her at the time and uh, I need to call her and let her know where I'm at, just in case something happens. So I call her, and, and I'm still feeling this this panic, is essentially is what it is, um, but I didn't understand what it was at the time, like I said. And I call her, and, and all of a sudden, the that feeling, that overwhelming sense of dread seemed to subside for just a few moments. And uh, I told her, you know, I'm going to stay on the phone with you until I get home. And uh, I, I did. I made it home, and uh, I walked inside and just kind of sprawled out onto the couch and uh, began to have a full-blown panic attack. Um, you know, my hands and feet became numb. Uh, I started be- to become lightheaded. Uh, I was feeling like I was losing consciousness. Um, just like my my brain couldn't handle what was happening to me, um, and it eventually subsided a little bit, and I realized that there was another trigger, um, shortly after it subsided, excuse me, and it turned out that being alone in my room, or in, in the living room, was a trigger, being by myself, um, because my cousin and her fiancé went outside to go smoke, and all of a sudden it, it just hit me again, you know, just this this dread 
this this sense of doom it just smacked me right in the face and uh, I had to run outside and grab them and, and tell them to come back in and it was at that point that we realized what was happening um, but it wasn't until a few days later that we really started to understand what was going on um, because you know I, had, I went to the hospital just to make sure that everything was okay as far as you know, I, I didn't want any. I, I wanted to make sure there was no uh, physiological issues. You know, I knew I had you know some anxiety in my past, and and it felt a lot like that, except much much more intense. Um, but that was just how it started for me, and some of the symptoms that followed along that that coincided with these panic attacks and this extreme stress and anxiety that was placed upon my body um, you know they included nausea um, social anxiety I wasn't able to be around a lot of people it was it was it was too overstimulating and, and, and overstimulation w was a symptom in itself um, I, I couldn't be out in the sun um, cars passing by I couldn't speak a lot because I would I would overwhelm myself um, probably the worst one of all, just about, was, was the head cloudiness, and I still deal with this sometimes, every, every once in a while, when I get real anxious, um, and it's only happened twice, really, um, and both followed two pretty severe panic attacks, um, in which, what, what I've learned is, it seems to be a defense mechanism uh, conjured by the brain to keep out everything that's you know that seems harmful to you all the all the stimulating things going on around you the the loud noises the the people just anything that that uh that seems like it's too much to handle and that's that's the way the brain works it uh it tries to shield you even though it it seems like it's a lot to handle um this this cloudiness you know um, but it always seems to go away. It, it takes time. It's just something that you have to ride out, really. Um, but that, that seemed to be the worst for me. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, not being able to be alone was an issue. Um, uh, my second severe panic attack, I was able to, um, break through that. And, and that's when I started to learn that each panic attack that I was having was making me stronger. They weren't getting any easier to handle at the at the moment, but the fall the the fallout of these panic attacks were were causing. You know, I, I was able to to think clearer. I was able to understand and, and and tell myself, you know, this is what's happening to your body. You know what's going on. There's nothing to be scared of. But um, hypochondria. That's one I'm still fighting with, honestly. Um, and, and I spoke with a, a therapist recently, and she seemed to agree that people my age, uh, 24 years old, mid-20s to early 20s, um, when they lose a sibling or, or a parent, that seems to be an issue. Uh, hypochondria seems to, to come about. And, you know, because you lose someone, and when you're at that age, you have that sense of, of, of invincibility. You know, like the world is is all yours, and and nothing's gonna take you down. Nothing's gonna, 
you know, you've, you've got so much life to live. And when you lose someone like that so, so quickly, um, so suddenly, it, it kind of shatters your world, you know? Like, it, it makes you realize that you aren't invincible. You're not this god figure, you know, that's all-powerful and all-knowing. It, it really shatters that perception, and that can be devastating to the psyche. That can be devastating to, to the body. Um, but some other things that, and, and these are mostly things that I've felt, um, and I did do some research to try to, to find some other stories out there, other things that people are going through, um, but we're just going to kind of focus on, on, on where I'm at. And if you guys want to write in and, and give me any insight to your stories and, and, and what, what symptoms you've dealt with, I would be more than happy to share that if you would like. Um, of course, being exhausted, just easily exhausted, just getting up and walking around can be exhausting. Just standing up, talking for an extended period of time can be exhausting. Um, one thing that goes along with the head cloudiness um, is sometimes the world around you feels surreal. Like everything you're seeing doesn't feel real to you. Um, and it's, it's another defense mechanism that, like I said, coincides with, with the head cloudiness. Um, it's, it's just a way that the brain seems to, to deal with this kind of stress, this amount of stress and anxiety that's placed upon it. Um, you can feel physically sick. I know that I've felt awful on several occasions, uh, waking up and thinking, you know, oh, I have a virus, or I've caught something. Um, and, and, and usually it goes away within the day, but I, I know that that can be pretty debilitating. Um, you, you get a lot of increased heart rate, um, shortness of breath, um, Weight loss or weight gain, depending on your genetics, your uh, metabolism. I, I've never, I've always been underweight. Honestly, um, I'm about five eleven and, and a half, uh, and you know, on good days, I was pushing 130 pounds. But I would usually stay between 127 and 130 pounds. Uh, but after my a uh, second panic attack. I lost damn near 10 pounds in about a week and a half. And that terrified me, you know. I, I knew I was already underweight. And it, it made my body weak. Um, I had to force myself to eat. Um, even when I was just not hungry and, it, you know, it made me nauseous. It, it made me sick. Um... My body was just, it was fighting me the whole, whole way. And I'm slowly gaining the weight back. And let me tell you, it's, it's tough. I, I understand that losing weight can be very, very tough for a lot of people. But gaining weight back, especially when your body is, is feeling the way it does, feeling physically sick and nauseous, it's, it's a really, really tough task. Um, but 
it's it's something you have to do. You know, you you gotta you have to survive. Um, but essentially, what I've been learning with the panic attacks is this is your body's survival instincts kicking in. It's the fight or flight mode kicking in. Because when you develop a panic attack, you, you, you're not thirsty, you're not hungry, your heart's racing, um, your senses are heightened, uh, your eyesight becomes more keen, your hearing um, becomes more keen, you, you, you can smell things very clearly, like everything is just heightened, almost like a superhero in a way. Um, and, and that's your body telling you there's danger around. You know, we've we've got to get out of here. We've we've got to we've got to make it. You know, we're 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 trying to survive, um, and that's and that's very confusing, especially to the mind when there's you know, there's no present danger around. You're you're just driving in your car, and all of a sudden it just hits you. You know, where's the danger at? Why do I feel like I need to run as fast as I can? Why do I feel like I'm I'm survive I'm I'm fighting for my life right now? That's that's kind of what's what's occurring in your mind. It's it's very confusing. Um, it's it's just tough to digest. But it, it seems like, and and you have to reprogram your mind. I found um, to not you know think that there's danger everywhere. Because there's there's certain triggers. It seems like everybody seems to have their own triggers. And it's it's sometimes it's tough to discern what what that trigger really is because it may be something that triggers it triggers you maybe ten or twenty minutes before you actually have the panic attack and you don't even realize it. It's it's just tough to say. I know um, one in particular for me was um, hearing a, a certain song. Uh, music's always been extremely important to me. I write music. I um, I listen to a lot of different types of music, and it's it's a it's an important it plays an important role in my life. Um, but there is certain songs that I was hearing um, on my iPod and things like that that reminded me of the period of time that I was when, when I was going through my mother being in the hospital. There were certain songs that I was listening to uh, to help me cope with that, and then you know after she passed. I would hear these songs again, and, and I didn't really think about it, and then it would trigger something in my head. It would remind me of that, all of the, all of the pain, all of the, the heartache, all of the, sh the stress, and it would just, you know, it would trigger something in me. Subconsciously, you know, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking, oh, like, this, this song reminds me of, of that moment, you know? It, it didn't, sub you know, consciously, it didn't. Um, but... That's just how our brain works. We have to, we just have to, we have to fight through it and then try to figure out what that trigger is. And then the next time we find ourselves in that similar situation, we have to remind ourselves, hey, you're all right. You know, there's no danger here. There's nothing to be scared of. We don't need to jump into survival mode. There's no need to run. There's no need to fight. We're going to be fine. But one thing I've learned um, from a particular book that I've been reading, and if you guys are interested in learning about the body and how to start coping with these things, I would highly suggest 
um, Mending the Body, excuse me, Minding the Body, Mending the Mind by Joan Borisenko. It is a fantastic book. She is an extremely t intelligent person, um, and she, she understands what's going on with all of this anxiety and stress. Um, but essentially, our body produces these neuropeptides, that's what they're called. Um, they're hormones that are released by the body. And these, these neuropeptides are information molecules that target cells with receptors for them. And basically, it, it kind of sways your emotions, your moods in a way, from what I understand. Um, you might find yourself in a situation where you get that trigger. You hear that song, or you drive by that place, or you do that particular action um, that triggers you, and all of a sudden your body starts develop starts uh, um, creating there's these neuropeptides, and they go to your brain or whatever receptor. You know, it may be something that that causes pain, like a a physical pain, like your arms start. It's, uh, it starts hurting, you know, or aching or something like that. It sends these signals to that part of the body, like like your brain, for example, and tells you, hey, you should be depressed right now. You should be angry right now. You should be terrified right now. And that's that's what's what's happening. But it's 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 basically you're being conditioned to think a certain way and feel a certain way according to what's happening around you in your environment. And that's something we're going to kind of dive into a little bit today and a little bit more later because um, there's a lot that goes along with that, the conditioning. But essentially what you need to do is recondition your brain. And we'll talk more about that later. Um, the brain releases these, these neuropeptides due to strong emotional thoughts. Um, they can even be manufactured by the immune system or other organs, and they can affect your emotional state. But it's... The body is very strange. Um, and it, it seems like a lot of times we can't control it. And that's that can be true. But there, <clears throat> there are ways that we can control this. There are ways that we can fight back. There are ways that we can we can start to learn to cope with this. And eventually, you know, find find ways to detour any of these feelings and thoughts and or at least allow us to process them in a healthy way. It's a lot like meditation. And I would highly suggest for anybody that's dealing with these kind of issues to begin meditation. It's a way to relax your body, clear your mind, and find some type of peace and harmony in this world. You don't, and, and when you're meditating, you don't try to shut out all of your thoughts. You don't try to, you know, every time a thought comes in your head, you're like, oh shit, I gotta stop thinking about that. I gotta stop thinking about it. I gotta clear my head, clear my thoughts. That's not exactly what you want to do when you're meditating. You want to, and, and this is a great metaphor that I've, I, uh, I read about recently, and I, I think it's a beautiful metaphor for this, this type of for meditation, um, is to think of yourself as a mountain. 
and all of your thoughts are clouds and they're just gonna pass right by you they'll, they'll come and they'll surround you for a moment and then you just let them pass don't dwell on them don't try to do anything that would in any way um, stress you out just allow the thoughts to come and go and that's that's kinda of what meditation is all about slowing your heart rate allowing your mind to be free of all the troubles all the stress anything anything that that can raise your heart rate or cause any any type of emotional distress um, but when it comes to panic attacks your body is is essentially it's it's doing the opposite your your heart rate is is jacked your breathing is is shallow instead of being deep and full and slow your body is releasing adrenaline your blood pressure and your heart rate are increasing it's it's tough it's just tough to deal with but meditation can it can it can help with that it can help you to at least balance yourself and release some of that tension when you're meditating you want to find ways to relax each part of your body usually they say to start with your head relax your forehead then move down to your neck and then your shoulders and your your arms uh, your back any of that kind of thing and you, know, you keep moving down and that helps you to release the tension I've noticed personally um, after these panic attacks and after I kind of pull myself out of these um, anxious moments that my body is absolutely tense to the point that I am I'm not even sure how I can I can tense certain muscles you know there's there's muscles in my chest uh, my back uh, my throat my you know my neck I hold a lot of tension in the back of my neck um, and meditating's helped me to pinpoint these areas and begin to try and and relax them because it can it can start to cause you know physical pains in your body tensing up like that it stresses you out but um, definitely check out that book Minding the Body Mending the Mind by Joan Borisenko it's a fantastic book and let's let's talk a little bit more about these panic attacks we mentioned that your body is is releasing adrenaline, your blood pressure is shooting up, your heart rate shooting up, your breathing becomes more shallow and uh, more intense, and you get that overwhelming sense of dread and despair. Now, as humans, as animals, we've evolved to, to survive. That's why we're still here. But in this modern, domesticated world that we live in, for most of us at least, um, these survival instincts aren't really necessary anymore. 
we 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 don't really use them very often. You know, we're not running from bears on a daily basis, most of us at least. You know, we're not fighting for our lives every day, trying trying not to die, you know, from from you know, nature, things out in nature, other animals, other creatures. So it's it's very it's a very strange point in our evolution, I feel like. It's it's a very interesting time in our evolution where these survival instincts aren't really they're they're just not necess as as necessary as they used to be for us. And then, you know, for for someone that is dealing with a, a massive amount of stress, such as such as I am or or anybody else out there that deals with panic attacks or anxiety attacks, it, your survival instincts are kicking in. For no real reason other than you're just extremely stressed. And that can be confusing. But, like I was saying before, we have to reprogram our brains. We have to prove to our bodies that there is no real danger. And this, this reconditioning that I'm speaking of, it, it's going to take time. It's exhausting, and it feels everlasting, the, the stress and anxiety when it occurs, but it's something we, we, have to, we have to be strong, we have to fight through. Trust me, I've broken down, I can't even count at this point. I've woken up in the middle of the night with my, my hands tingling, my heart racing, beating out of my chest. You know, I wasn't able to breathe, just completely stressed out in what should be a very relaxed state. You know, I would go into my, my, my father's room and, and just sit there and talk to him. Just find a way to, to, to distract myself, to distract my mind from what was going on. I've had it happen to me when I was driving in between places. And it's terrifying because you think, you know, what, what if something happens while I'm out here? I can't get home. There's nowhere to go. I'll have to pull over and just ride this out. It's, our bodies are just, they're, they're permeable to, to a lot of stimuli. And like I said, it's, it's tough to discern what, what these triggers are, why it's happening. Sometimes it's just the load of a day bearing down on your shoulders. And at the end of the day, when you're about to lay down and go to sleep, it all just hits you at once, maybe. It's just, it's, it's tough to tell. And everybody's different. But let's talk a little bit about coping. Let's talk about how to deal with these panic attacks when they come on. I found the best, the number one thing, the key thing to this all is breathing. Controlling your breathing. That seems to be what what sends a panic attack into, you know, full force. It seems to cause the panic attacks to flare up. So sometimes the best thing you can do is open up your lungs, 
put your hands above your head maybe if that helps for you and just take deep deep breaths breathe in for four seconds hold your breath for about three to four seconds and then exhale for about the same amount of time three to four seconds and one thing you can do in between these breaths when you're holding your breath or when you're exhaling is to find a mantra maybe find um, lyrics uh, a phrase if you're religious a prayer perhaps um, whatever helps you it's there's no set way to do this it's all about finding what works for you when I'm when I'm doing it when I'm breathing you know, I switch between several things. I'll breathe in and say, you're going to be okay. And then exhale. And then repeat. Or sometimes I'll, I'll just utter words like peace or tranquil or something. It doesn't matter. It, it's, it's whatever you want. You can say the Lord's Prayer if you're, if you're a religious person. Um, you can you you don't have to say anything at all. It could be lyrics to a song, a very comforting song that you that you have. It's all dependent on what helps you. But the breathing, like I said, is is absolutely key to all of this. It's going to help you to slow your heart rate down. It's going to help you to calm your nerves down and remind you you're all right you're still breathing you're fine distracting the mind during these episodes is another key thing and trust me anybody that's dealt with panic attacks knows that this is damn near impossible it seems to do when you're gasping for air and thinking you're about to die and, and all that stuff Distracting the mind can be very crucial. Whenever I've, I've had my panic attacks, while I'm doing my breathing, I will, if I'm not around anybody else, I'll call somebody. I'll call my dad, I'll call uh, my cousin, I'll call my aunt, um, call a friend, whatever helps you. Or if you have someone nearby, even better. I know that I've had uh, an episode here once or twice um, at a family's house and, and somebody, you know, I went out on the porch to sit there in the rocking chair and just kind of cool myself off and uh, somebody came out and I told him, you know, hey, I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit and he just started talking to me about space. You know, relativity, gravity, you know, we talked about planets, we talked about wormholes, we talked about black holes, we talked about, you know, everything. And before I knew it, I wasn't even thinking about it. I wasn't even thinking about my panic attacks. I was enjoying the conversation. And that helps. It absolutely helps. Find somebody that's comforting to you, someone that reminds you that you're okay. Other ways to distract the mind is Turn on some music, throw on some headphones maybe, 
something soft, but not depressing, you know, a nice, slow melody. Something that'll just cool you off. Walking helps too. I know I, uh, I tend to walk a lot whenever I get extremely anxious, um, or if my, my heart rate goes up a lot, I start to or start to develop a lot of adrenaline, you know, walking it off can, can definitely help relax you. Um, but I would suggest not pacing back and forth. That, that tends to be um, not very relaxing. It tends to kind of stress you out a little bit more. Um, so go walk around the block. Go up to the park. Walk around the park a bunch of times. Whatever it takes. Now, when it comes to finding some preventative measures, I've mentioned meditation. That is an excellent way to release some stress, get away from the anxiety, clear your head a little bit. Exercise, vigorous, I believe it was 15 minutes of vigorous exercise a day at the, at the minimum can help to relieve a lot of stress. 15 minutes, vigorous exercise, get a good, you know, if, you're, if you don't like running, uh, a good vigorous power walk or ride your bike uphill or, you know, whatever, whatever you like. I, I know I keep saying that. I know that that's probably going to come up even more, but it, it's all dependent on what helps you. Everybody's a little bit different. What I find comforting isn't going to be the same as, as what you find comforting. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, I'm not particularly... I'm not a religious person. Um, I'm a very open-minded person. Um, but I'm, I'm not religious. But that tends to help a lot of people. Uh, my father in particular has dealt with panic and anxiety in, in his past. And he prays. Uh, he goes to church... He does visiting, you know, visitation ministries and things like that, and that helps him deal with it. And that's fine. He's talked to me about it, and I've told him, hey, that doesn't work for me, all right? I'm, I'm not that type of person. I need some other type of comfort in my life. So, and, and, and other people, it can be... Um, I forget what the word is for it. Um... It could be uh, crystals, um, incense, things along those those lines. Um, wh whatever you're into, that's where you can find your comfort. Reading books, anything like that. Uh, another thing that that helps with this whole process is learning more about your body. And that book that I mentioned is a great place to start. Um, careful about getting on the internet and Googling all this stuff, because before you know it, you'll be where I'm at, and you'll be Googling every symptom that you have, and, and, and hoping you don't have this disease, or that disease, or an infection, or whatever it is. I know that, essentially, you know, my mother, she passed away from a stroke, um, but it was caused by several infections. And so, every time I start to feel a different, uh, a different symptom, uh, I feel a little bit sick or queasy or 
lightheaded. I, you know, that's where my head goes to immediately. I think, oh shit, I've got an infection. I have what she had. I, you know, it's it's that's that's how the mind works. So don't don't get online and, and just Google all your symptoms all the time. Just find find some good um, some good books that that tell you a little bit deeper, you know, what's going on inside the body physiologically, what's happening, why is your brain thinking this way, what chemical imbalances may be occurring, what's what is the body producing, what hormones are the body is the body producing, what you know, what chemicals are, are you know, what's happening in there. I know that that can be extremely helpful. Knowledge can be your best friend when you're dealing with panic attacks and anxiety. Because then you can recognize a lot of these things a lot easier. You can tell yourself, hey, I'm feeling a little bit lightheaded, my hands and feet are tingling, uh, my breathing is shallow, this is a panic attack, you know. I'm not, I don't feel any pain anywhere, I'm not, you know, I, I don't, f there's no other symptoms that are pointing towards anything else. You know, my, my heart is racing. I'm not having a heart attack. These are, these are ways to help you ease your mind. It allows you to recognize and differentiate between real medical emergencies and stress-induced attacks. Another thing that I have learned um, is it's important to stay hydrated and well-nourished. Like I mentioned before, it's so easy when you're thinking about all this stress and you're thinking about all the, the shit that's going on in your life and, and how terrible you feel. It, it's tough to, to, to want to put anything into your body, to, to put food in your body or, or stay hydrated. And before you know it, your body is kind of shutting down because you've, you don't have any nutrients, you know, you're out of energy, you, there's nothing to burn in there. It's, it's, that's one thing to, to remember when, and like I, I mentioned it before, um, you don't have time to eat when you enter fight or flight mode. When you're, when you're running from that bear, trying to get away, you, you don't have time. Your body isn't hungry, but you, you have to, you have to force yourself to, and, and it's tough. Trust me, I know. It's tough to, to eat anything when, when that's, when that's going on. But you have to eat as much as you can stomach. Or if, if you're if you're in the opposite boat, you know, you, you stress eat. Try to try to make a conscious effort. Remind yourself, hey, I'm feeling stressed out. I need to go find something else. I need to go walk. I need to go run. I need to go ride my bike. I need to just drive around a little bit. Take my thought off, you know, food. But everybody's a little bit different. And we're gonna we're gonna cut this episode just a little bit short. Um, next time, hopefully, we're going to speak to someone that's dealt with this kind of thing. Um, I'm currently looking to get in contact with a few people that uh, would like to share their stories, perhaps, and uh, give us a little bit more insight. 
we're all different in how we react to stressful situations. Some people let it bottle up. Some people become angry. Some people become depressed. Some have panic attacks. Some just seem to not really care. We're all different. But we can help each other. We can, we can share the information, we can share the knowledge, we can better ourselves, we can be more understanding to those that are, that are dealing with this on a daily basis, that are too scared to ask for help, that are terrified of what's going to happen to them. This is a, this is a mutual fight. This is something we have to we have to be in together. And yes, it is important to learn to, to cope on your own. To stay strong, to be an individual. But we're all into this together. And it's it's important to remind yourself that that, that you're not alone. I'm a huge Liverpool fan. I think I, I mentioned that on the last podcast. And they're their mantra, you know, their their club song is you'll never walk alone. And I love that. I tell myself that all the time. You know, you're not alone in this. You're not the only person that's dealing with this kind of thing. There are other people out there that probably have it a lot worse than you do. They're probably dealing with some, some stuff that you you probably can't even comprehend. But it's, it's just, it's, it's going to take time for all of us. It takes time to heal. We can't expect a cut on our leg to, to heal up in, you know, a day or two. It's going to take a couple weeks. It may even take a couple months, depending on how deep that wound is. And when you've lost somebody, or whatever it may be, that, that wound can be very deep, and... It can take a long time to heal. But we just have to remind ourselves that we will we will get better. We can get through this. We're strong. There's nothing wrong with us. Everything's gonna be alright. So if you get a chance, come check out the SoundCloud page. Find us on SoundCloud, the nervous curve podcast um we're up on itunes now just search for the nervous curve you'll find um this episode and the previous episode on there um and check us out on facebook the nervous curve podcast and if you would like to share your story if you would like to weigh in on anything that i've mentioned or talked about um, anything that I've missed or maybe anything that I um, am, in, am incorrect on, feel free to email us and give us your thoughts and opinions or corrections or omissions, anything like that, at nervouscurve at outlook.com. 
That's nervouscurve at outlook.com. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys have a great day. Mm-hmm.